Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling on, presented by Progressive Insurance with my guests on the Goodyear Hotline, like Jake Heaps, who's going to jump in here in just a second. We'll get to the very bottom of the Russell Wilson situation with someone who's as close to it as you can be. Orlovsky later in this hour. Green List is awesome today, and it is all about relationships, which, of course, is where the conversation begins. And mine with Hembo, which is hanging by a thread, in part because Hembo has decided I eat too much fruit. Oh, my goodness. And I'm convinced that isn't a thing. So all that and more is uh, on the docket for this hour. But right now, it is my pleasure to bring into the conversation Jake Heaps from Seattle. And, uh, Jake, your bio is a fascinating one. You are both a host on 710 ESPN Seattle, and you are Russell Wilson's private quarterback coach, which is a fascinating combination of things to be. And with that, I say good morning, and thank you for joining me, Jake Heaps. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on, Greeny. Excited to be with you. Well, that's just a, I just think it's fascinating. Host a talk show, and you coach Russell Wilson. So I'd like to start in your capacity as one who was as close to Russell as you are. It's, it's been a very unusual offseason for a guy who was, who was always so all about team, he ends every interview with the words go Hawks and everything else. No one is more about the team than he is. But then this offseason, there have been the comments that have gotten a lot of attention over the course of the last few weeks. And now yesterday, directly from his agent to Adam Schefter, there are four teams he would be open to being traded to if it gets to that. What can you tell me about the situation right now between Russell and the Seahawks? Yeah, Greeny, it has been a big shock. I mean, Russell Wilson has been essentially a model citizen uh, when it comes to being a franchise quarterback, the epitome of pretty much what you want your franchise quarterback to be in terms of how he handles the offseason, how he handles himself uh, in his preparation, and, and how he handles the media, all of it, very savvy, very uh, purposeful in everything that he does. And obviously having great success, but uh, he really, really uh, surprised a lot of people, obviously, with him airing his grievances publicly in in a lot of different aspects. And, and one of the things in particular that people have not been happy with is the fact that he was talking about the fact that he was getting hit too much, the fact that he um, wanted to address the offensive line moving forward. And I think when you take it in that context, it's really easy to say, well, wait a second, you're a quarterback. A quarterback's relationship with his offensive line is one of the most sacred relationships that you can have in football. And it's very true. Um, Being a former quarterback myself, it's one of the first things that you go out of your way to do is to always take care of those guys. And that's why you see quarterbacks nowadays, they're giving their linemen stock options, they're buying them watches, they're, they're, they're doing all sorts of things to take care of them. And, and for Russell, I think that one of the things that he's trying to convey is a multi-layered conversation. Greeny is, is one, uh, hey, in terms of getting hit, there's, a, there's multiple ways to get that done. Is one, change your offensive scheme, change your offensive philosophy, which in Pete Carroll's philosophy has been to run the football, take deep play-action shots, and – and it puts you in positions where you have to hold on to the ball a significant amount of time. And they've been successful doing that. And Russell's uh, been great at it. Uh, but now you're in a position where he's changing his game a little bit at age 32 um, and, and now wanting to evolve and change. And, and then you talk about the offensive line in, in terms of the success that the Seahawks have had in, in acquiring the talent. 
that you would look at all the other top franchise quarterbacks around the league and in their careers, it just hasn't been the same in terms of protection, in terms of Mm -hmm. their success, um, and also investment in that offensive line. So I think that for the Seahawks, uh, Greeny, they have two openings to improve their offensive line, at left guard and at center. And I think this is an opportunity when you talk about someone who is extremely competitive and wants to find ways to win, the winningest quarterback in the NFL, and wants to get over this hump of uh, 10 wins, ten plus win seasons, but early exits over the last five years, Greeny, in, in the playoffs, uh, wild card, divisional round. Ultimately, it's about getting to the Super Bowl. And let's let's take the next step to ensure that we have the best chance. I have the best chance of being uh, the best for this team and this city uh, with with protection and, and uh, with a change in offensive philosophy. Jay Keeps is with me, Russell Wilson's private quarterback. Coach Jake, I have to ask you directly, do you believe he wants out? Do you believe Russell Wilson wants to be on a different team? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's important. it's a very important question in this conversation. I can confidently tell you that, no, he does not want out of Seattle. Now, I, I can tell you that confidently here in 2021 that that is the goal. The goal is to, to be in Seattle, to play in Seattle forever, uh, to retire as a Seahawk. But I think that the, the days that you see and as you open this conversation, Greeny, of Russell Wilson just sitting back and, and being that poster child for your franchise quarterback of not saying anything, I think is done. I think Russell Wilson is tired of sitting back and and hoping for change and is wanting to see change and uh, is pushing back a little bit from that aspect. And so he wants to be in Seattle. He wants to remain a Seahawk. Uh, but I think that he's he wants to see this group change. He wants to see this group change for the better. And uh, and sometimes a little bit of friction uh, isn't isn't bad, but obviously this has progressed in a way that uh, I don't think anybody's anticipated. Yeah, it is. It is so out of character for the way he has always handled things. I have to run here. Jake, thank you so much. Again, 710 ESPN Seattle and a private quarterback coach that works with Russell Wilson with great insight into where his head is right now. Thank you, Jake. Have a great show today. All right. Thank you, Green. Right, thanks, thanks for having me on. Jake keeps with me here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. I said it before and I'll say it again. I, I, I've been married 24 years and there are certain things in life that are just fairly obvious. But I do not have a list of four people I would marry in the event that my marriage went sideways. That is not a list I have. <laughs> and if I were ever to find out that Stace has such a list... I would have some serious questions about how my marriage is going. Like, you just don't have that list. Like, you don't, you don't have a list of, yes, I'm very happy being married to you. It's delightful being married right now. But in the event that we're not married, here are the four people I'll choose to marry then. That's, if your head is there, that's a sign of a problem. That's not a symptom. That's an issue. So I think that there's something real going on here. But I'm glad that we had Jake on because it sounds to me like he's telling you and he's in a position to know Russell is kind of trying to force the issue. He's trying to push the Seahawks into doing stuff that he does not feel they've done. And rather than doing it the way Deshaun is doing it, which is just basically saying, I want out, trade me, he's creating some waves that might leave a few bruised feelings along the way, but in the end he might get what he wants and he might stay in Seattle in doing it. We will see. It'll be fascinating to watch. Orlowski will join me as the hour continues. But coming up next, today's green list is absolutely spectacular. The five most significant power couples in the world of sports. 
They are next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa whose interests are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and over. You can also sort by category like cologne, watches, and more, or gift lists like items for the grill master or the golfer you can also get top tech from beats headphones to jbl portable speakers or if you're looking for top brands you'll find gifts from calvin klein polo ralph Lauren, and columbia so what are you waiting for father's day is june 16th and it'll be here before you know it macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to make selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year head to macy's.com slash gift finder today that's macy's.com slash gift finder Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantol chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious, beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders, dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. NextGuard is a registered trademark of Boehringer Ingelheim, Animal Health France, used under license. 2024 Boehringer Ingelheim Animal Health USA Incorporated, Duluth, Georgia, all rights reserved. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on our weekly rewind brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. That was one of my many very popular opinions of this week that I do not in any way miss fans being at sporting events. Don't get me wrong. I miss myself being at sporting events, and I have no doubt that you miss you being at sporting events. But when I'm watching a game on TV, I don't even notice anymore that the fans aren't there. And frankly, half the time I prefer it because I get to hear you get to hear things. I don't want to have this argument again, but you get to hear things that you don't otherwise get to hear. I like being able to hear the quarterback calling out signals. I like being able to hear him identifying the mic. I like being able to hear coaches coaching their basketball team. I actually think it is better. And I certainly don't miss people yelling things in golf. Greeny with you. Speaking of the NBA, some. Sunday, we got Giannis and the Bucks hosting Kawhi and the Clippers on most of these ESPN radio stations. It is presented by Indeed. All right, the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. I like this idea a lot. So today's Green List is inspired by Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen, for whom today is their wedding anniversary. Mm. Happy anniversary, Tom and Giselle. The world's one of the world's most well-known and, and I think, widely admired power couples. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. Russell Wilson might have a say in that. She's state, like one of the world. Yeah, but, but neither one of them are going to be on today's list because today's list are the top five sports couples. You have to be a, sp- a couple, and we are, we are judging based upon the athletic accomplishments of both ends of the relationship. So it's not just like Michael Jordan and anyone he's married to. <laughs> right. It is the combination of athletic achievement on both 
sides of the sports power couple. Number five. Five is Aaron Ross and Sonia Richards Ross. Aaron Ross is a two-time Super Bowl champion from the New York Giants and, by the way, won a national championship in college as well at Texas. His wife, Sonia, is one of the best-known track and field athletes and one of the most accomplished in the world. Four Olympic golds, five world championships. She was ranked the number one runner in the world for a five-year stretch of time. Now, the more I'm thinking about this, how are they five? (laughs) I may have to rethink the order of this list. I think they probably deserve to be higher on the list. We shall see. Number four. Should they go ahead of Zach and Julie Ertz? Zach and Julie Ertz, whom you know from outstanding commercials, as well as him being a three-time Pro Bowl uh, tight end and a Super Bowl champion for the Eagles, and she being a two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion and two-time U.S. Soccer Female Player of the Year. So that's a good one. That's a, They're number four. Boy, this is a good list. Good list. They're a really good list. So Aaron, and, uh, Aaron Ross and Sonia Richards-Ross are five. Zach and Julie Ertz are four. Number three. Nomar and Mia Hamm are three. Nomar is a six-time All-Star. He was the Rookie of the Year in 97. He was a two-time batting champion. Mia is a four-time national championship in North Carolina, two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist. I don't consider myself one who knows this as intimately as I should. I believe there was a time when she was considered the greatest female soccer player of all time. Is that still the case? Do we know that? Is, do we have any soccer? No, no, you're a soccer person more than anyone I know. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. There's no question in my mind she was considered to be, like on that legendary team, the 99ers, as they call themselves, mm-hmm. Julie Fatty, she was the best player. Like Mia was, the, was the, the, the goat on that team, if you will. Is she still considered to be the greatest player in the history of her sport? I think there might be a, a MJ Jordan type of thing. Okay. So, but she's up there. Yes. She's still like in that. So, so I feel a little better about putting them ahead of, of where they are on this list. This is a tough, tough yeah, list. She might be the GOAT in her sport. She might be the GOAT in her sport. And Nomar was a really good player. Okay, this is the list here. Number two. Number two. Number two are Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. Megan Rapinoe is two-time FIFA Women's World Cup and, and sort of the heart and soul of that team this past, whatever it is now, two years ago when they won the World Cup. She has an Olympic gold medal, and she was named that year the best FIFA women's player. So she, she I think, for a period of time there, defined women's soccer in this country. She was a larger-than-life figure. And, of course, Sue Bird, who was a four-time WNBA champion, a two-time NCAA champion. She has four Olympic gold medals and numerous Euro League titles. She's one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. And there's just something I like about them. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've gotten to know Sue Bird a little. Sue Bird is related via marriage to someone who used to work on Get Up. So she's been around here a little bit, and I've just gotten some time to hang around with her. And she's, she's just about as cool a person as you will ever come across. So anyway, the ultimate sports power couple, they are number two, Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird. Three was Nomar and Mia Hamm. Four was Zach and Julie Ertz. And five is Aaron Ross and Sonia Richards-Ross. Can you guess who is number one? To me, there was no question about this one. Number one. Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf have to be number one. Andre won eight Grand Slams and an Olympic gold and was a runner-up seven times in slams. Steffi won 22 slams. That's third most all-time. She's the only tennis player to have won each Grand Slam tournament at least four times, and she won Olympic gold in 88. Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf, I think they deserve number one. Do you argue with it? Does anyone have an issue with them being one? I agonized over where to put this. the people on this list. 
I kind of feel we may have short shrifted Aaron Ross and Sonia Richards Ross. You know, a I don't. Bit. I don't think so because Aaron Ross was not nearly the athlete she was. Like he, he never made a Pro Bowl. He was not not often the starter. Like I think she's she's picking up a lot more weight there than okay. he, than he is. So so uh, fair enough. One way or another, that's the list. Andre and Steffi are number one. That is today's green list. The greatest athletic power couples in the world of sports today. Again, in honor of a very happy anniversary to Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. As we continue, Orlovsky will jump in here next, and we have to argue over my diet. Oh. That and more as we continue in a moment. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know we're big fans of BetterHelp in all the ways it can help people with their mental health. And this year has gone quickly. And so I'd like you to think about something that you're proud of in 2024 so far. Think about what you would be proud of. What's something you still want to accomplish this year? And when life goes fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate those wins. And therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months for the rest of the year so you can look back on the rest of the year the way that you have this past year to know that it went the way that you wanted. And therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I urge you, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So take a moment for you. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny. the podcast. Next week with Greeny. Yes, sir. This is still the highest rated game in NBA history. The voices behind the biggest moments in sports. There it is. A win for the ages. Rebound. Score! It all starts Monday morning with Greeny. Now we're going to do Legendary Broadcasters Week next week. Monday will be Vern Lundquist. And then over the course of the week, we've got Al Michaels, Bob Costas, Doc Emmerich, and Jim Nance. It's pretty good. Mm. It's a pretty good little lineup that we will have for you next week. It's Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. And the week after that, we get to March Madness and NFL Free Agency, and then we're headlong into the draft, and baseball will start, and the Masters, we could not have more going on and could not be more delighted that you've chosen to hang out with us here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, and joining me now on the Goodyear Hotline is the one, the only, Mr. Dan Orlovsky. Hello again, Dan. What's up, Greeny? How are you, brother? Well, we're great. And, and again, the, the, the NFL just... It is the gift that keeps on giving. This offseason has been just steadfastly ridiculous. So let's go through yeah. all the different situations. Let's start with Russell Wilson. What in your just as you sit and watch and you listen to what everyone is saying and you're on there on NFL Live and everything else, what is your perception of what's going on with Russell and what do you think will happen? Yeah, that you know, Russell wants out. 
Um, and I look at it in a two-part situation, Greeny. It's about Pete Carroll or it's about brand and legacy. Listen, if, if it's unhappiness because he's called out the offensive line, he's called out the general manager, and obviously information is leaked of a bad conversation between him and Pete Carroll, and now he's somehow teams leaking out. I don't know if he or his camp or who is leaking out places he would go to. So if it's about Pete Carroll – then the Seahawks have to go, okay, well, it's time for us to move on from Pete Carroll. If that's what it's about, if it's strictly about he's not happy with the coach and wants a different coach, then you move on from Pete Carroll and you keep Russell Wilson and you go get a new head coach. But this, if this is about, in all those aspects, if this is about the brand and the legacy and moving forward both in football but also after football, his mind is already made up. His mind is already made up. And you as an organization, one year is not going to change that, Okay. And he, he's, he wants out. And so you'd have to sit there and go, okay, he's already made up his mind of what he wants his next 10 to 15 years to look like, and it's not here. We need to act swiftly to get as much value out of him as we can. It's a fascinating situation. And one thing I will add, I know you know this, but to make it clear for the audience, the, 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 the idea that he has this list of four teams is not really leaked his agent told it to Adam Schefter on the record. I mean, he just said it right. to Shefty. Shefty tweeted it. That at Russell Wilson has told the Seahawks he still wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to were the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. His agent, Mark Rogers, said to ESPN. That's on the record. So, to me, that's an important distinction. That is creating this conversation and putting it very much into the ether. And so, Dan, I'll ask you again, as you know, a happily married man that I know you are, do you have a list of four women you would marry if your marriage went sideways? Because I don't. And I don't know how that would be received if you had one. So that, to me, if, if there's a list of four places I'm willing to go, that means that my head has already started to go there. Yeah, Greeny, if, if, I, if I had a list of four women that I, you could marry or would marry, if I wanted to leave my wife, my wife would be like, later, dude. Right. Bye. You know? So, no, I don't. I, I don't. I, that, that's why it's, it's it, this isn't by mistake. This guy is the same guy that says go Hawks after every interview. Yep. This is very much so on purpose. It, it, is, it is so out of character for the way it has generally been that that's one of the reasons it's so jarring. Greeny and Orlovsky with us here. Uh, next stop is Deshaun. You have been saying on our show, back, back before everyone was saying it, you were saying to me, Greeny, Deshaun is not coming back to Houston. To the best of your knowledge, Dan, why is it? How did it get this bad this quickly to where he, he can't he won't even open his mind to the possibility of going back there with a new coach and a new general manager? Because I think that it has very little to do with football. This has everything to do with Deshaun Watson as a human being. And we all have these lines, right? Listen, anybody that's in any type of um limelight or has any type of ranking that is somewhat high, you're always going to have people that are push buttons or say things or do things about you. But we all have this line, whether it's people that we work for or people that we work with, that is a line that you just can't cross. And if that line is crossed, there's no going back. And, and people's lines are different, right? And I just believe that that line was crossed for Deshaun Watson. That line was crossed by people that run that organization, mm. by Cal McNair and the way things were handled, and by Jack Easterby and the way things that have been handled or the way things have been said to him, okay? And once that line got crossed from, by a, to, a, to a guy that came from nothing and was raised the right way and values human integrity 
and people more than he does a draft pick or a good football team. Once that line was crossed, the the the, the uh, relationship was beyond repair, and that relationship between him and those people is beyond repair. And mm-hmm. he's not scared to he he would rather look at himself in the mirror than um, play for somebody that he does not respect. It's remarkable. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky, it's just amazing that that thing disintegrated to a point where it's that bad, but we'll see where he winds up going. Where would you like to see him go? If, if you could handpick a realistic situation, meaning one, one of those that, that are out there, a team that could do it and all of that, where would you like to see Deshaun go? Well, San Francisco, you know, I, I think that I would love to see him go to San Francisco. I'd like to see a lot of quarterbacks go to San Francisco. So, but I don't agree. I agree that's not super realistic. Out of the ones that we sit here and we go, okay, realistically, where would I love him? To, where would I love to see him go? I would love to see him go to Miami um, because I think that they're a, a better football team than the Jets are roster-wise right now. I think that they have uh, some pieces on offense, a Gasicki and a Devontae Parker that are better than some of the pieces that the Jets have on offense right now. I'd love to see him go haymaker versus Josh Allen twice a year and, and see who can win that division a ton. And I'm high on the Jets as well, and I'm high on Joe Douglas. I just think that like they're a better-built football team because they're a year ahead of their rebuild than the Jets are right now. Well, so with that thought in mind, we can sort of segue this into a little bit of, of a draft conversation, which would be to say uh, you were the one who gave me the phrase that I love – for Sam Darnold, magical sloppiness. Um, yeah. But, you know, now they're really at a crossroads with that situation. Assuming they don't get Deshaun Watson, they have two options. They, they can draft a quarterback at number two, or they can stick with Sam Darnold and then use that second pick as an asset however they otherwise choose to. If it was your decision, which one would you do? I'd lean right now towards keeping Sam Darnold. You know, the only reason that you would choose to move on from Sam Darnold and take a quarterback at two is because the financial resetting of the timetable, you know, like, okay, you're three or four years away from having to make the quarterback decision again. Um, But you have to determine that that player that you're going to take at two, you believe to be just as good, if not better than what Sam Darnold you think can be right. It's not just Sam Darnold versus a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or whoever it's Sam Darnold and the second pick versus Zach Wilson and what you would get for Sam Darnold. And it, it's kind of that grouping. I just look at it like this, Greeny, and I know people disagree with me, and I, but, like, if anybody thought that Sam would play well with the two head coaches, three offensive coordinators, a bottom five offensive line, a bottom five run game, it's bottom ten defense, mono, and a significant shoulder injury, if you thought any young quarterback was going to play well in that situation – then that's on you. And that's not me being a jerk, but that's on you. That's, mm-hmm. that's, on, that's on any fan that had an expectation that he was going to be really good. And then I would challenge anybody, find me a quarterback outside of maybe Patrick and Deshaun and Russell that we can confidently say that in that situation would have played good football over consistency. Like it, 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 it's impossible to do. And I just, I'm very cautious on just giving up on young, talented guys that are still so young that have all the right intangible making just because what was around them was an absolute dumpster fire. It's exactly right. I mean, I've said that a million times and I agree. He's also not that expensive of an option. It's not nearly as, as, as 
efficient as drafting another quarterback and resetting the clock, as you say. But if they were to pick up his fifth-year option, they would basically owe him $35 million bucks for the next two seasons, which, if he turns out to be a good player, is an outstanding bargain. So we'll see where that goes. One more thing I wanted to ask you about, because you brought this up in our meeting before Get Up yesterday, and we never got it into the show, and we will. But I know that you have been doing a lot of work on Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be the number one pick in the draft, who's sort of the forgotten person in all this because there's no mystery. Yeah, yeah. There's no mystery. He's going to go one, and that's all there is to it. But I know you've been doing work on him, and I know you love him. Tell everybody what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I see Secretariat. I see an absolute thoroughbred racehorse, Greeny. I think that he has elite foundational fundamentals throwing the football. And the really interesting thing about that is usually guys that are so, so good fundamentally have to be because they're not very talented. You know, like you, you've got to make up for the lack of talent by being so flawless with your fundamentals. So this guy's got off the charts fundam- or, or talent as well. So you're talking about elite fundamentals and training with remarkable talent. Like that's going to be a stud. And you just watch the tape. And the thing is, We've taken him for granted. He makes seven, eight, nine perfect throws a game. I'm talking absolutely perfect, and we just move on to the next play. We just move on because it's like, oh, that's what it should look like. The consistency of the standard of play out of him is awesome. I think there's a lot of untapped potential because the really interesting thing for me is when you look at a guy like a a Patrick Mahomes or the Jordan Loves or Zach Wilson, you go, man, there's all this – this freelance reset style of football, if you could just get him to play with the consistently, consistency is going to be really good. And with Trevor Lawrence, he's got such consistency that I'm, I'm excited for Jacksonville to kind of unleash some recess style, like unleash some of the, the reactionary talent that he does have because once they, they do that, he's going to even go to the next level. And so I just he's not a finished product. That's something that bothers me too is people talk about him as a finished product. He's not. But he, to me, is secretariat, man. He's a thoroughbred racehorse. Yeah. I, I, you, people are talking about him as being one of the great prospects ever, and that's why I think it's fascinating to hear you say that. Greeny and Orlowski, again, NFL Live today and every weekday, 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. They are terrific. One more thing, because I know you to be a person of, of interesting eating habits. <laughs> uh, well, my, my, <laughs> Bubba, that's not on. All right, I'm not hearing that. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I was... I was hitting this. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? That could have been smoother. But anyway, the point of it is this. Orlovsky, <laughs> you know Hembo as well as, as I do. And, and uh, Hembo is a producer on Get Up Now, and he works with all of our different analysts and works with Dan frequently. And I know how much you love him. So Hembo and I are now the only people who were sitting in that meeting. The morning meeting before Get Up, which used to be, and and Dan, you were there for a million of these. You know, it's 12, 15 people jammed into (laughs) a conference room. And it was, was, I mean, I miss it. I miss it terribly because we would have so much fun in there. Now, because of COVID, we're not allowed to have practically anyone in here. So it's just me and Hembo. Hembo has decided. He sits and he watches me eat my breakfast. Now, I'm eating a totally different breakfast than I used to when you were here. And the big reason for that is that the place that used to deliver my breakfast is gone, <laughs> uh, which isn't funny. Mm. It's horrible, but, but uh, it, is, it just is what it is. So now I make myself cereal. I've got like nice cereal and I've got, <laughs> I bring in blueberries and raspberries and I put them on the cereal. How many blueberries and raspberries? Well, Hembo claims that it is too much, that I'm eating too much fruit. And I would maintain, Dan, that that is not a thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is no amount of fruit that is too much. Fruit, fruit is something that you, you're, I'm always telling my kids, eat fruit instead of this, that, or the other. There's no other sugar in the meal that I'm having. I have no sugar in the coffee, got nothing else. The, I, it, it is my opinion that there is no such thing as too much fruit. Now, Dan, you are A, a former professional athlete, and B, a person with really peculiar eating habits. Is there or is <laughs> there not such a thing as too much fruit? No, there's no such thing. That's stupid by Hembo. Smack him in the face next time you see him. Our house, you're not going to find a house in Westport, Connecticut that eats more fruit uh, on a daily basis. I eat a ton of fruit. I go to Gigi's and Joe's, and I got an acai bowl covered in blueberries and bananas and uh, strawberries probably four times a week. Uh, my, my kids smash fruit. That's actually their dessert every night. We don't we do not do like a ton of desserts every night, but like our kids will paste grapes or raspberries or bananas or apples for dinner we're big on smoothies um so like i intake as much fruit as i can yeah. the only thing i would say greenie is cereal is a waste of calories throw some yogurt in there you know like get, get some yogurt in, and don't waste don't waste your morning calories on cereal i was doing let's not get sidetracked into mm. that side of this i was doing yogurt for a little while there i switched back and forth between the two but let's just stay focused on this and just very quickly to give people your credentials what are all the things that you don't eat, have never eaten, and can't stand? Uh, well, I, I don't eat seafood other than crab cakes. Uh, onions are disgusting. Tomatoes are stupid. Um, I don't eat fried foods, really, unless it's French fries. Uh, I don't really eat red meat. I don't use a ton of seasoning. Like, if I'm going to have chicken, my wife will just make grilled chicken. I yeah. eat a lot of chicken. Like, a lot of chicken. I'll eat cheese. I'll eat brown rice. Didn't you um, once tell me that you hate soup? I oh soup I do not eat no 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 shot no shot soup is stupid to me like why am I <laughs> eating dirty water? What, what, what is who hates soup? We we did this on the TV show one time and we all got to like list things we hate and Dan Olowski says I hate how the hell do you hate soup? Because it's dirty water. It's usually saturated with vegetables and I don't eat a ton of vegetables. I think onions are disgusting. Celery makes no sense to me. Mushrooms are nasty. Um, so like. Those are big parts. Cooked carrots are disgusting. Um, I don't eat milk chocolate either. Milk chocolate got to go. I told you. Once, I, once we get him going, milk chocolate. This is outrageous. He hates milk chocolate and soup. You're not, you're not, you're not a human being. I don't even know what else to say about that. I don't know anyone who is offended by soup. But that's who you have you def- you have him defending your breakfast. I know. Well, you've now made me rethink your validation of my <laughs> dietary habits, Dan, have made me rethink the entire thing here. But, like, what's... What what is a good soup like? Oh, oh. let me taste. Let me eat these soggy oh. onions or soggy carrots Stand or by. soggy. Gather round, Dan. Whatever. Gather round. I, I come from a long line of people who eat a lot of soup. Okay, this, 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 <laughs> make it very clear. You've never met a person named Greenberg who doesn't eat a lot of soup. So the, you can go a lot of different directions for soup. It depends on what you like. You can go into the, there's a whole genre of chicken based soups. So if you say you like soup, there's soup, there's chicken noodle, there's chicken rice, there's matzo ball, which is a, a chicken broth, and then you could do a lot of different things with a chicken vegetable, chicken dumpling, chicken gumbo. I could give you like seven chicken soups alone. That that are fantastic. 
But, like, here's the thing. You said chicken vegetable. Don't want it. Chicken gumbo. Too spicy. Chicken dumpling. Probably going to be fried, so I'm unlikely going to eat it. So, like, that's fried. What is fried about chicken dumpling? There's nothing fried. How do you make a dumpling? Like, you're going to boil it? I don't know. It's not like a a dumpling you would get in a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) It's not a pot sticker. It's like just a little... It's like a little ball of dough. It, it's it's like a it's like a small matzo. It's like a it's basically it's like a gentile matzo ball. That's really. what it is. It the is it is a matzo ball. The only bread I eat is pizza. You don't eat bread? <laughs> yeah, I don't really eat bread. The only bread I'll eat is pizza. Pizza. This is insane. Okay. Dan Orlovsky, <laughs> you know, I love you. This is insanity. When this pandemic ends, we have to get together for a meal, and I'm going to take careful notes of all the things that you do and do not eat because I find it to be fascinating. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. You too, brother. You're the best. I'll see you later. Chicken dumpling soup. The dumplings are not like you would get in a Chinese restaurant. They're like, they're like little Gentile matzo balls is basically <laughs> what they are. I don't know any other way to describe them. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. I like soup. I, I didn't mean to get sidetracked by this as much as we just did. But once he gets going, I, I do find it fascinating. Very passionate. The things that he will not Opinionated. eat. And that he does. I've had that conversation with him before. But all kidding aside, you are constantly giving me a hard time about eating too much fruit. And I really do not think... <laughs> Like the last thing in the world I've ever heard, like, like a guy who used to work on our show, Dennis Reno, a.k.a. Clutch, sent a note saying, I can't wait to hear about Greeny's diet. This is a man who eats pizza for breakfast every single day and only eats wings. Like wings are, wings are literally like a staple of his diet. Yeah. There are four yeah. food groups. One of them is pizza and one of them is wings. And you're telling me that my problem is that I'm putting too many blueberries on my cereal. Way too many blueberries. I've never seen someone eat as much fruit as you eat. You eat more sugar. On a daily basis, than, than the average kid does on Halloween. That's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's natural sugar. It's good sugar. It's still sugar, but it's too much of a good thing. Everything in moderation. And here's how I know you're eating too much sugar. I haven't done the I haven't done the math on this. I've not run the numbers. Okay. Your behavior as such. So you'll come into the studio at I don't know seven thirty, like Vince McMahon walking into a WWE <laughs> ring. You are pumped. Yeah. All right. You're you're playing music. You're talking to everybody. Right. Here at like you know ten thirty or so. Giving like you like a nuanced explanation about analytics, and you totally have already lost. Well, the you're, reason you're shaking for that, at this point. No, there's a difference. There's a reason for this. Today, I will admit, I'm playing at about ninety percent. I'm ninety nine. Are you load managing today? I, I'm I'm on. I'm I'm not on the DL, but I'm on the injury list. And the injury is, I drank too much last night. <laughs> I never do this. I never do this. But Stace and I had a night in the city. And we, you know, the, it's warm outside. Very. It was warm enough. 40s. So we're not eating inside, right? We're not eating indoors until, you know, some, so we get, things get a little different. But we were eating outside. I try to support all the restaurants that I can. But it has just been so ridiculously cold here and <laughs> snowing every day that we hadn't been out to dinner in what feels like a year. Well, I hate to say it that way, but you know what I mean. It had been much too long. So last night, it's warm. Mm. We go to a place, Mark's right near my house, which I love. We're sitting there. She orders a glass of wine. I order a vodka and soda. Nice. This is my drink. No sugar, no tonic, because there's too much sugar in there. Right, right. I get the, the soda. I immediately start regretting my choice. Because her wine looks so much better mm. than my drink. Then the appetizers come. And now I need to have the wine. <laughs> so I say to the waiter, you need to bring me a glass of that. So you just swap them out, right? No. So I say, he says, do you want me to take away? I haven't even touched I say, no, leave that. You never know what might happen. <laughs> so we get to sitting. We're just having a good time. We know the owner. He comes out. We're chatting with him. 
Next thing you know, one glass of wine turns into, I don't know, four. And then the food is done. And now he's bringing dessert. Dessert. So dessert is coming to the table. And, and I would not have ordered dessert, but he's bringing it. So now I just, I can't help but notice calling my name on the table is the Belvedere and soda that is still <laughs> sitting there from before this started. So now, by the time we're done with that, Stace is basically carrying me back to the apartment. We're <laughs> one block from where we live. I and mean, we walk, it's a 15, it's a, it's a 30 second walk. For those of you who follow this on, on Instagram, we walk right past the Empire State, but you see the Empire, that's where we're always shooting that from. But I will admit, mm. I woke up this morning and I thought to myself, you know, that might have been a little much for a Thursday. And you double down. You ordered some sort of different breakfast sandwich than, yeah. than you would I otherwise I thought that also. I needed a little, some grease kind of a thing. A hangover morning. food? That might have been a mm. big mistake. So here's the God's honest truth. I feel like garbage. I feel just <laughs> terrible. I have all day long. I have managed to make it through four hours at this point doing the best I can. But I will confess right now, there were moments you were talking where I was just watching your lips move. And I was thinking, when he finishes, when I see his lips stop, I'll just start talking. And I wasn't listening to a word you so said. So it was more than just the blueberries. So that it probably was more in this mm-hmm. case than just the blueberries. Everybody, have yourself some fruit. It is delicious, and there's nothing unhealthy about it. Have a wonderful weekend, tons of sports to enjoy, and we will see you back in Better Than Ever Monday right here on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.